to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast and the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. Today, I'm here with my co-host, John H. Curry. Mr. Curry, great to see you again. Good to see you, Steve. I'm excited to be back. We are continuing our conversation on the Inevitable Growth Scorecard, um, which is this crazy uh, thing that I came up with on a plane ride back from a, uh, a meeting you and I were at in Atlanta a couple of months ago. And um, for folks that want to check this out um, and kind of have it with them um, as we go through it, you can get your own copy at thegrowthscore.com, thegrowthscore.com. And uh, John, I'm, I'm really enjoying these joint episodes that we're doing of the two podcasts. Hopefully it'll kind of bring both of our communities uh, together and, and um, I'm just having a good time doing it. So we have... We've done an overview of the entire scorecard. We have gone through the first two mindsets. We've talked about who is your who. The last episode, we talked about the target 100 advantage. And today, we're going to go through the third mindset out of the eight. And uh, today, we're going to talk about clear value. So you're probably wondering, what in the world is clear value? Because I know you haven't prepared for anything. You probably haven't even read them all. So is that clear value versus muddy value or unclear or what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, most of the time it is. And, and um, where, um, where this came from was the experience that we've had with, gosh, I would I'd venture to guess almost every business that we've helped with their marketing. Um, and that is that... When they come to us, they they don't have clear value. So if you look at their website, I like websites because that's usually a pretty good indication of of uh, what someone thinks their message is to to their marketplace, to their clients or prospects. If you look at a, a typical website when you know somebody comes to us looking for help, a lot of times I'll look at it and I'll scratch my head and I can't figure out exactly what it is they do. I can usually figure out the industry, mm-hmm. but generally I have the, having the foggiest idea why I should hire them. And if I took the name off, I took the logo off, I could probably swap on, over onto it, any other name or logo in the industry and no one would know the difference. Right. And Especially in the financial services side. Oh, especially. And, well, and lawyers. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and, and in financial services, um, it's not... You know, it's not all the advisor's fault. The compliance departments and the home offices, I know why they're doing it and they got to do it. But the, the things that they, you know, that they kind of force y'all to go through, which you have to do so you don't go to jail, um, they kind of le- lend themselves to ending up with this sort of me too. Uh, I can't, we can't even use me too anymore. I'm sorry. That is a new context for that. This sameness in marketing. You do realize that we're in a world today where no matter what the hell you say or do, you're going to offend somebody, right? Yeah, well, I try every day. So my, my, one of our mentors used to say, I'm, I'll clean it up. Uh, if you've not offended someone by noon, you're not doing your job. So here's what I've come up with. And it comes under clear value. I tell people every day, I promise you every day this comes out of my mouth in one context from another. It might be at a restaurant. It might be a client coming in the door. They'll whine about something and I say, you know what? You should not pay for that. My fee, $3,000, $5,000, that's too much. I'm not going to pay that. You shouldn't. Because you don't see the value in that. Why would you give up even a dollar bill if there's no value? If you drop the dollar bill in the parking lot, you'd stop and pick it up. 
a hundred dollar bill and you stop and pick it up. True? I go, yes. I said, so let's get clear. And this is a good segue, get clear about clear value. You're not going to part with your money nor with anyone else until they see there's something of value. Now that is either a conscious decision or a subconscious decision, but that decision will be made before you do any business. Now, if you know that, as we're about to learn here, if you know that and then you know how to position your value properly, you will attract people to you who want that. And you'll repel the people who, at least at the time, don't want it. If they change their mind later, if people follow the concepts we've been talking about on the marketing side, you, they will gravitate back to you. Even if they don't like you, they'll come back to you if you are the person that they see brings the best value. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> so it's interesting as I was putting all of these thoughts together, um, I originally wrote this with a different word in front of it. I wrote compelling value. Mm -hmm. A lot of people talk about, you know, having a compelling offer. Um, and, and as I thought about it more and more, I thought, well, that's, that's not really the problem that most people have. And yes, you need a compelling offer, but more importantly than that, and more fundamental than that, and, and certainly easier to get to, yes, aspire to have a super compelling offer. But if you can get to a clear offer, a clear demonstration of value, you, you'll get 80% of the way there. Well, they'll come to you faster. Right. So let's, um, let's go through the four mindsets. These are the, the four different expressions of thinking that I've observed in, in business owners. Um, and John, the first one is that you feel that you should offer services in line with the standards of your industry. And this is the exact description of, of the website that we just talked about where you could take the logo off and you can't tell anything different. So I hear this all the time from folks who say, well, we just sort of do the industry standard thing. We're not any different than anybody else. Hmm. Do you ever see that in, uh, in advisors? I, all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I get criticized a lot, as you know, because you talk with people that we both know. They'll say, well, why is Curry always pushing the envelope on his marketing stuff? And how does he get so much stuff approved? And the answer is, well, number one, I don't want to be like everybody else. Now, I'm not dumb. Sometimes I'll take something the company's already done and why reinvent the wheel if I don't have to. But at the same time, I want my personality, my, my energy in that thing. So I don't mind pushing the envelope some on that. But I don't want to be just like everybody else in my industry because then why would you need me? If, if, if there's 100 people just like me, how the hell do you determine which one you want? Well, I think, I think that's a, a perfect stepping off point to talk about the idea of value <clears throat> um, because you sell investments, annuities, life insurance, disability insurance, is long-term care insurance still a thing? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, it's that, not not as prevalent now. Right. Yes. So, I mean, I, there are websites where I can go and get life insurance. I mean, there's a correct on popular you know radio programs. There's a commercial for one particular website every three minutes. It seems like mm -hmm. um, for life insurance. So I can get that anywhere. Correct. I can get annuities probably anywhere just as easily. I can go and invest at any number of services on my own where all I got to do is sit on my couch, uh, you know, in my <coughs> jammies and log in. 
So where I see a lot of people get tripped up with this is that they think somehow the, the product or the service is the only thing that they have to differentiate. And you don't have, you can't differentiate your product or service. You actually have no control over your product or service. And I don't even try. No. I, I even tell people, I said, look, let's, let's be candid. You don't need me. You can do this all by yourself. And they'll say, no, I can't. Yes, you can. And if you work with me, the planning process we go through, we get done with the planning, I'll give you a document. There's only four things you can do with it. Ignore it. Totally ignore everything. Do it all by yourself. Go to a competitor or work with my team. It's up to you. But you can do it yourself. Now, it'd be faster working with a coach that knows how to do it, but you could do it all by yourself. You could be your own attorney. You could probably be your own surgeon as much as your brain or your heart, I guess, but I'm not so sure that would work. But most people in my world, they are afraid to say that. Well, if I say that, they might go somewhere else. They might. They might. But the majority are going to say, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't understand this stuff. I don't like this stuff. Please help me. Now, instead of me grabbing you by the throat and snatching you in the door... You're pulling me. You're saying, please take me as a client. Please, please. You know, John, that, that fear that, that people express about, you know, their, their clients going somewhere else, that comes out of, uh, I think, a, a deeper understanding that they don't, they're not offering anything of value beyond a, a commoditized product that can be bought anywhere. It's that and a scarcity mentality. Yeah. They do not have, as we talked about in the last episode, they do not have their target 100 list and expanding it. Therefore, I've got to make a sale. I've got to make a sale. I've got to make a sale. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't been in that environment where i got to make a sale in so many years. I, 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 I can't even tell you how. It's, it's like, yes, I would like to do business with you, but if I do not get your business, I'm going to be just fine. You know, <clears throat> One of our mentors in common, um, Dan Sullivan, I think, I, I like the way he articulates it. He says, you know, really that the thing that, that your clients are coming for uh, can be described in kind of three ways. They're coming for leadership, they're coming for relationship, and they're coming for creativity. Mm-hmm. And if you begin to think about it in those terms, that's where you add value. You know, and that's how you're able to charge a fee, a flat fee, plus you make commissions when you sell something. You're able to charge a fee to folks uh, for them to come in and, and then find out from you which of these commodity products they should buy. And, and they don't, they, they're, the thing that they're missing isn't the product. It's the leadership, it's the relationship and the creativity. I was going to ask you to repeat those because I think people need to hear those. So touch on those one more time and expand on just a little bit because I think that's part of the value. So it's leadership. And we all know this. Our clients will come to us. I mean, people that work with us are are successful business owners. And they're not stupid people by any stretch of the imagination. But in the the area of, of their life and business that relates to attracting clients, they feel like they need a leader, somebody who has has traveled the ground before and knows the lay of the land and, and can get them from where they are to where they want to be. Because it saves them time and energy. Yes. And it gives them confidence too. Absolutely. <clears throat> and so the, the second piece of that is relationship. We all want to be in relationship. 
It makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it, it gives confidence. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think that's a, a key piece of it. And so people will be attracted to you for who you are. You know, Dan Kennedy, somebody you and I both have, have invested a lot of time with, um, always talks about the importance of personality right. as, a, as an attractive force for clients. Um, it's, people ask me all the time why I will do a joint webinar with someone who appears to be a competitor or why I'll have somebody who appears to be a competitor on the podcast. Right. And that's because, number one, my mindset is that I don't have any competitors. Um, and one of the reasons I don't have any competitors is because that the, the clients who are going to be attracted to, to me and, and want to work with our firm are going to be attracted to me in large part because they want to be in a relationship with me. Correct. They want the result, yes. They want leadership. They want that relationship as well, though. And, um, and so I know that there are people who are listening to this, who are in our audience, who are never going to become a client because they don't have that same relationship. So if I can bring somebody else in who does what I do, and I'm, I can actually serve those people through this other person that they might connect with and prefer a relationship with, and I'm totally fine with that. Well, this is off the track a wee bit, but not by much. So someone might be skeptical. So, okay, so if you know that there are people out there who are not going to do business with you or not likely to, why would you continue doing something you're doing? And the answer is you and I have discussed this many times. We enjoy doing it because we know that we're getting information out there. We're helping people. We're creating value right now for people who we may never, ever talk with. And that's why I keep doing my podcasts, I do my webinars, because I know I'm creating a relationship with a certain number of people, and some of them out there, while they don't sense the relationship now, it comes back. We've talked about this many times where later they come in and say, been following you for all these years, now I'm ready. That's because you didn't give up on them, number one. But number two, if you're doing something you enjoy doing, and you know in your heart that you're helping people, I've helped tens of thousands of people I'll never meet, and I know that makes me feel good. It gives me energy and confidence. Well, the, the key though, the, the, the leap that, that you and I have made and that uh, and other businesses have made as well sure. is, and that I think prevents the bigger majority of businesses from ever doing some of the things that we're talking about is we began to put in place marketing systems and particularly what I call media platforms, you know, so this podcast is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've in the past I've produced email newsletters. I still do. You produce email newsletters. I do a print newsletter. Um, you do print newsletters and postcards and things. And, and so we've, we've adopted some of these tools like this podcast. I mean, yes, it's going to resonate with the, the people that will become a client of ours over the next let's say a year or obviously more than that, but it's going to impact an awful lot more people who listen to it and never become a client. And I don't know which is which until they show up Correct. with a check, right? So rather than try and make that determination somehow now, I'm going to use tools that allow me to do this in a scalable way. It doesn't cost us, I mean, our cost in, in creating today's episode is, 
you and I carving out the time to do it, which isn't a hard thing to do because we like to get together and talk about these which, things. Which, by the way, you need to get out to check, look and right here, check my time. <laughs> yeah, it's in the mail. Oh, okay. right? so I mailed it before you got here. I don't um, see value in that one. <laughs> yeah, no, there's probably not a lot of value in that one for you. But, um, you know, it, it takes us our time. Yeah, we've got a team that produces it, so there's a little bit of cost in that. But once that's paid... It, there's no additional cost, no matter how many millions or billions of people ever listen to this. I don't know that that'll ever happen, but you know, um, but it doesn't matter. And so we've created a situation for ourselves where we can provide leadership. We can give the opportunity for relationship because as we know, as people listen to uh, something like a podcast, uh, the repetition of, of them you know, being involved with us as a listener, you're actively involved in this. I mean, you're not here in the conversation with us. That'd be great if we could do that. But, um, but you're involved still just in the listening process. And, and so we're able to create some relationship that way. And we're able to share our creativity. So it's a way to demonstrate value. I'm listening to what you're saying. And you, you've already gotten into the second thing here from the standpoint. You, you want to read it or you want me to? Why don't you read it? Your clients rave about your good work, yet you struggle to create a clear and compelling message that communicates your unique value. That's what you've been talking about the last few minutes there, from the standpoint of, okay, we got all this stuff. We, we know, if you're in business, you know you're good at what you do, okay? The challenge then becomes, okay, finding other people out there who believe in you, they're looking for that, what you call it, leadership, relationship, and creativity, and they want you. And that's where the challenge comes in, having the compelling messages that communicates <clears throat> this value you've got. Now, some people think, I, I hang up my shingle, I'm in business, that the whole world's gonna come rushing over. Doesn't happen. I so, wish it were that easy. <clears throat> yeah, me too. No, you don't, because <laughs> no. you wouldn't get paid Every, much. Yeah, you wouldn't get paid much, and everybody's just. So, so talk to us, so what was going through your mind which is a dangerous question. I should be careful. <laughs> what was going through your mind specifically when you worked on this one? So I, I talk with business owners all the time who are, I mean, they're such good people. Um, they do amazing work. They help their clients. Their clients get good results. And, you know, and yet they have a really hard time taking all of that great stuff that they do behind closed doors with their clients and figuring out how do I package that up and communicate it to the world so that more people like that will come to me so that I can help them. And, um, and so that's really what, what this is about is I, cause I just see it over and over again. Um, that, and, and really these are all, each of these mindsets is a reflection of something that I've seen in, in a business owner. I've been doing this now, John, you know, I, this business is uh, a decade old this year. Been through this with a lot of people. And, um, and you know, you begin to see patterns of things. And I, I think it's really useful, you know, th these mindsets kind of articulate the different patterns that I've seen. And then as you get to, as we get to the fourth mindset, um, that really describes the pattern that I see in our most successful clients. And, and so the reason I wanted to put this down is I wanted to give people a roadmap where they could kind of score themselves where they felt like they were today. Like if they read this, 
because this is a really qualitative thing and it's hard to maybe assess where you are sometimes, but you, you might recognize yourself in one of these mindsets and go, yeah, I'm, I'm more like that or more like this. And you can kind of get a sense of where you are now, but you can also see the, the mindset that we've observed in the most successful of, of our clients. And so you kind of get a, a picture now of where you're trying to go. And, um, and, and I think if you can get clear on that, you now have a plan. What frustrates me is when I see business owners who maybe are sitting in, in this mindset that we're talking about where they, they're doing this great work and they, they're struggling to kind of get it organized and communicated clearly. And then they're just stuck there because they don't know the path. They don't know what direction to go. And so I'm hoping the scorecard will help to kind of let them see what that direction is. So, but that's the second one. And, and uh, I know advisors struggle with this. I've talked to dozens and dozens of advisors who are exactly in this spot. Um, I know it, across the board, every, every business, every industry, um, and every size business, frankly, I've, I've talked to business owners of some fairly large businesses that um, you'd be surprised they could be that large without really understanding. You know what surprises me about businesses of all types, whether they're a restaurant, a lawyer, a doctor, dentist, anybody. Many people, they don't have the ability to even articulate what their unique value is. They don't see it as being unique. Well, just how they introduce themselves. You go to a chamber function, I just realized I haven't been to Chamber Function in 10 years. <coughs> Me either. Rotary. I say Rotary Club. Or this conference I just went to. People would stand and introduce themselves by what they do for a living. Not one person talked about the value they brought. I was the only one. And when I was asked to introduce so, I said, I help people prepare for a secure retirement. So it's, it says it. Now, you may have a different view of that. The business owner might go, oh my God, I got this business I'm selling, I got $100 million, what I do with it when I retire. The school teacher might say, I got this pension, what I do with it, I got my, my 403B. But they all, that, that, that statement means something to somebody and everybody. But when I'm coaching people, I'm saying, tell me what it is you really do. What is it that your client says to you on a regular basis? Wow, thank you for that. That's how you should be seeing yourself, not... I'm, I sell life insurance, or I sell annuities, or I sell this, or I sell that, or I sell real estate. Well, hell, everybody can do that. You're describing the result. Correct. And yes, it can mean different things to different people. And it does. Those are where you are in your life. That's actually an advantage, because you describe the general result, and they get to then interpret it and apply, and apply it to their own situation. Well, how many times have you heard me relate something to you where somebody says, oh, John Curry, you're the retirement guy. I said, you got it almost right. I am the secure retirement guy, not the risky retirement guy. And they go, ooh, I need to talk. Yep, absolutely. Because, because now, now, maybe I'm mincing words here, but to me, that is the unique value I bring to the table. No, it is. It is. So, and it's, I think that's a great demonstration of it. Sometimes it, and frankly, often it is just getting it that simple and clear. And you know what it does for me, folks? I spend less time and less money and less shoe leather going to different things, hoping I find the right person. Because I know what I do. 
any and everything I do stays on that message. Everything. Well, and, and all of these different mindsets tie together. They build on each other. Uh, they're in this order for a reason. The one we're going to talk about next, John, is uh, in, in the next episode is ideas that sell. And I don't want to get into it all now, but uh, but once you understand the clear value that you're delivering, and and really the clear value is more about what is the what is that client buying in their mind. That's what they value then that, that tees you up now to be able to create ideas that will then sell for you. And, and I just realized that in number three here, you're getting into that even more, because full disclosure, I looked at this and then set it aside. You had to give me another copy of it today for the podcast because I got busy in my own world, but this is pretty cool. You, you want to read that one? Yeah, so the third, <clears throat> the third mindset uh, is that you're offering uh, and marketing a message that's focused on the work that you do for your clients and your marketing message is similar to other firms in your industry. And that's exactly what you described. Mm -hmm. Showing up and saying, whether it's on your website or you know, in your elevator pitch or on your business cards or whatever. I mean, I, I somebody uh, requested an appointment with me yesterday, John, and uh, I got the notification and I went and looked at, uh, at, at the information they sent in. I went and looked at their website. And when I looked at their website, it said the city they were in and the thing that the the profession that they were in, mm -hmm. it didn't say who they served and the result that they delivered. Right. And I thought, well, this is you know, there there's a there's a, something that needs to get addressed with that business right there. So, um, but I see this a lot, particularly in in fairly mature businesses. Um, where they've been around a little while, maybe they've been around predating the internet and, and they could get away with, um, without, you know, being real clear on this right. because, uh, you know, back before the internet and before worldwide commoditization hit us all, we all got a little bit insulated by geography. And so the relationships that, that you made maybe in your local area could trump someone's ability to go search for other solutions because they just weren't there. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Um, yeah, I was telling my wife the other night, I mean, we have, um, I did an interview earlier this week on a, uh, I was interviewed on someone's podcast in the UK. We have a client in Portugal. Um, we've had clients throughout Europe. Um, you know, it, and I was thinking back to when I first got in business and this was the mid-90s. We did not have internet connection at our company for at least a year uh, when I got out of college. Didn't have email or anything. We got faxes. I mean, this all of the ways that we're doing business now, I mean, you couldn't even comprehend them, even, <clears throat> you know, even 20 years ago. Okay, you young ripper snapper. Let me ask you to think back to 1975. Do you really want to go there? <laughs> 1975, there were no personal computers on your desk. There were no cell phones. That's when I started business. Yeah. September 13, 1975. You know what I was doing in 1975? Uh, you weren't even born yet, were you? I was born. Um, I was probably whacking some other little four-year-old in the head uh, with a, a wooden truck or something at preschool. All right, so... Um, so that's the third one. I see a lot of businesses that, that are kind of in this trap where their, you know, their marketing message is uh, really focused on, on the industry they're in and what they do. Let's spend a moment on that. Talk about, uh, just give, give us a tidbit or two on 
what to do for those who are stuck in this one to stop doing everything that looks like everybody else. Because in my world, you've got compliance. People are worried about it. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to deal with the financial regulators from Washington, the state. I've got to deal with my compliance officer locally. I've got to deal with the compliance folks in New York City. So they're all thinking this. So I can't, I can't do anything differently. Now, you and I both know that you can do things differently. You just have to follow the rules and not be saying something that's not correct. But spend a moment talking about that because I think that's a big stumbling block for pretty much everyone in business. Everybody's regulated by somebody, it seems. So touch on that. Well, I mean, you obviously want to do, do things that are within compliance. Um, and if you look... Otherwise, you lose your business. Right. But... If you look at, at the way, so we talked about um, you know Sullivan's model of, of leadership, relationship, and creativity. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so if you, you begin to bring that to bear to parts of the business, you start to see opportunities to create that differentiation. And uh, I think you're a really good example of this. You're in maybe the most heavily regulated industry, maybe only second to medicine. Um, and... Um, you're in an industry that I think the last stat I saw, you've got 350,000 competitors in the United States. Probably that or more. I don't know. I, I don't, you know, it's, it was in that I, ballpark last time. I, I, I don't know. I don't care because I'm like you. I don't have any competitors. Right. But a lot of competition, right? And there are, as we've already discussed, websites people can go to without even talking to a person to buy the products that you sell. Um, I would call that a pretty heavily commoditized business and you have no influence over the products that you sell they're created by the the insurance companies the investment companies and all that so what you have done very effectively and i think everybody can kind of go to school on this a little bit is that you 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 first focused on what's the result I'm delivering and how can I describe it differently? And, and the way you, if I might paraphrase, the way you've shared that story with me, as you said, at some point, um, and you're probably going to tell us the date because you, you remember exact dates for everything, but you're probably going to tell us the date. I'm going to guess it was 1982. I'm just wild guess. That in 1982, you made the decision to get out of the life insurance business and begin your career in the retirement planning business. Because you were in the life insurance business focused on the commoditized tool. And in the retirement planning business, you are now moving into a leadership position. Am I close? You're close. It was 1983. Oh, do you remember the exact day? No, but I can tell you, that I can tell you approximately was because our son was not born yet. I can tell you it was between May and June. So, so that's the first thing. So the first thing you did is you began to focus on... Um, on providing leadership that led to a specific result. And the way that you've articulated that is that you do secure retirement planning, which is a result that people, as it turns out, want. And it allows me to do what I can create. So I can create a planning process that no one else can duplicate. Why? Because it's me. You're jumping ahead. Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. So that's the second area that that you can innovate and make yourself different. It's your process, how you go about things. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
we do that with the way that we approach marketing. I mean, there these days, it's you you can't open up a web browser without hearing from somebody that that's trying to teach you something about marketing. Um, but we have a very specific process, and and that process makes what we do unique. You know, you have your secure retirement plan process, a planning process that makes what you do unique. Nobody else has that. And so that's a, that's a differentiator. So that's the second one. And, and then the third is personality. Right. And this is the relationship piece. So you've applied creativity to how you're offering leadership and to how you're offering relationship. And so the, the personality piece of it, and you're, you're, a, you're a master of this. I, you know, I learned from you in this. Um, you know, it started with um, your speaking, but the place that I really saw it take off was with your book. So you wrote your book, and it's called The Secure Retirement Method, which describes your process. So you've encapsulated your process into a book. We're going to talk more about that in the next episode with, with Ideas That Sell. But you got it in this book. And then when you went to conferences... After you had that book, boy, you were just the proudest little book papa there ever was. Because that book, <laughs> that book flew all over the country, went to all kinds of conferences. Anywhere there, folks, anywhere there was a conference with another author who was speaking, John would either John still does it <laughs> either very gently or very forcefully tackle that author to the ground, say, "I have a book. You have a book." Um, do you have a copy of your book? They'd go, yeah, I have a copy of my book. Why don't you hold my book? I'll hold your book. We'll take a photo of both, us both smiling. And you've got pictures with Robert Kiyosaki, with Dan Kennedy, with uh, Sullivan. Dan Sullivan, uh, uh, George Foreman. Um, David Walker. David Walker, mm -hmm. who was a former uh, Control. controller of the United States. Um, all of these people. <laughs> well, so what does that do in John's market? So those pictures now go on John's website. I know because we did a lot of that for you. They go in your newsletter. Uh, they, they're used in your, in your office. There are these pictures up so when prospects come in. And so you have engineered this very different personality. It's time to get some new ones too. Yeah, opinion. you need some new ones. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and what that does then it is now people come in and they see that, wow, this guy's different. He's like a celebrity, you know? And all you did was you had a book and you had the guts to go up and ask an author. And I will tell you, as the author of a book, I've gone and given speeches. It's the most flattering thing in the world to have somebody come up and, <clears throat> and want a photo. I mean, you know, even big time authors, all the ones you've talked to, they haven't been bothered by that, have they? Nope. No. So you can engineer um, dif you know, some differentiation um, and some value there. And again, if you can innovate your product, great, do it. You know, I mean, Apple innovated with the iPhone and totally changed their industry, right? But for most of us, we can't do that. We're constricted by the regulations of our industry, the, the practical considerations of how we deliver value. Um, but you certainly have pretty free reign over applying creativity to how you deliver leadership and how you deliver relationship. Absolutely. All right. We're going to move on because we're going long. The fourth mindset here, John, is that the value you offer 
aligns with what your ideal clients really want. You have a clear, compelling marketing message that communicates your value. Talk about why that works so well. So once you get to that level, why is it so powerful? It's Frankly, it's all in one little four-letter word in there. Ideal. No, want. Want? Okay. I mean, it's what your clients well, want. Ideal five letters, sorry. Yes. <clears throat> um, you know, if you're offering something, if, if the value that you're articulating, that you're communicating is in line with what your clients want, then you've made your job easier. And I, I, again, if we use you as a kind of the live case study here, what do people want? Do they want to know that they're gonna have a secure retirement, they're never gonna have to worry about running out of money, they're, all of their needs are gonna be taken care of, their legacy is gonna be taken care of. Healthcare. Healthcare, <clears throat> the whole nine yards. Do they want that or do they wanna buy some stinking life insurance? They don't want the drill bit, they want the hole. No. And in fact, um, where this is really powerful, folks, is, uh, so you sell annuities, okay? Can I brag on you for a minute? Sure. So at, at the moment we're recording this, John is the uh, number one annuity uh, producer in um, at least one, possibly two. You always correct me on this. I can never quite get it straight, but I think it's two companies in the United States. Um, which means of all of the people who sell annuities in the country with these companies, and there's a lot of them, John sells more. And this I, year I finished one in one and then uh, a few notches below in the other. Okay, well, still, <laughs> my, my point is pretty, pretty darn good. Okay, and, um, and at the same time, there is a company that runs large ads in major newspapers and sends out a ton of direct mail and even buys billboards because I've seen the billboards that say very simply, um, what is it? Now I forget the line. It's basically annuities are evil. I hate annuities. I hate annuities. That's it. Um, and, uh, and so you'll get people who will come in who have seen that. Or maybe they've listened to one of the, the financial radio talk show hosts. They bring the ads with them. Yeah, they bring the ads with them and they come in and say, I am absolutely positively never going to buy an annuity. I know you sell those, but you just forget about selling one to me, bucko. Right. Okay, and they come in there. And then you take them through your planning process. And it turns out that they want all of the value that comes from the annuity, all of the features, the benefits of the annuity. Mm-hmm. And they end up buying a damn annuity. Correct. Okay, and the, the point of all of that is if you will just start with the value that they want, they'll buy the thing that you're selling that delivers it. You just made me think about something. The, the last time that happened, I actually have a picture of, of the gentleman that owns that company on the bookcase. So <laughs> you're talking about this gentleman right here. Like, I love it. He's, he, I don't think he owns it anymore. I think they've, they've asked him to leave through the side door. But I think so. But I point to it, and I said, you know him? Like, yeah, I attended two conferences, had coffee with him one time. Didn't have an opportunity to get a picture, or I would have with us, with us together. But anyway, my, my, I was saying, look, you're telling me what you don't want. You don't want an, an annuity. That's great. But your subconscious mind can't work with that. So tell me what you want. Do you even know? Nine times out of ten, they said, I, I don't know what I want. Well, why don't we explore that? 
Why don't we explore that path? And then if the annuity is the thing that gives you what you really want, what will you do then? Because see, now you're going to be challenged. Because see, you're putting yourself in a box. You're saying, I do not want that. So you're excluding a possible solution that could be the solution for you. So wouldn't it be better, let's just start with a clean slate. You tell me what you really want and let's explore that. Then let's identify the tools because it's not just annuities. It's probably going to be annuity, investments, life insurance, long-term care, health insurance. I don't know. And neither do you. So let's explore what you want first. I find that if you do that and you're not defensive, what do you mean you don't like annuities? You've got to have an annuity. No, you don't. I don't got to do nothing. I have the right to go broke. I have the right not to pay my taxes and go to prison. Thank you very much. I don't have to do anything. I choose to. So I find that in, in, in sync with what you're showing here at the higher level is that if you truly take the time to explore what the person across the table from you wants, nine times out of ten, the very thing they did not want or they said they hated, they now realize that is the tool. But if, you, if, I, if I box you in that corner, I'll lose you. But if I can get you out of the corner and get you thinking differently, now we have a chance. Absolutely. And the issue really is whose problem is it? It's the client's problem, not our problem. We are too quick to take on their problems. We're the solution. We're not the damn problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've gotten themselves into the problem, and, and they own it. So, again, it, I think it comes down to this idea of understanding what your clients really want. When you can do that, it now gives you the raw material to go and and create clear value where it is clearly articulated and it is true value to the client. It is what they want to buy. And if you will just do that, your life will become easier. Totally. It also takes, let's talk about the sales side because we've already agreed if you're on a business or in sales. <laughs> I've discovered that once I got real comfortable with just having a blank piece of paper in front of me and just simply say, tell me what you want. What are your concerns? What are your issues? Let me just listen. First of all, most people aren't listened to and they go, well, where's the sales pitch? You know, get one. So tell me what you, why you're here. You had to get in your car, drive to my office. You're sitting here. So tell me what your concerns or issues or what you want. And they'll tell you, man, you're, you're the first ones who have really listened. Well, um, thank you. But I love my clients, and if you're going to be my client, there's going to be a great relationship, or you can't be my client. Because why would I take on a headache? You know, and, I, and that's just the way I talk to people. And I figure that's my personality. If you don't like my personality, you're probably not going to like me any better in the future. So let's just find out up front. It's so funny. I <clears throat> had a. Well, what are you shaking your head about? <laughs> well, I was just thinking about a call I had um, <laughs> with a, a potential client. Um, I guess on Thursday of last week and, uh, you know, got to get on the, on the call and my question that I, I start with, which I learned from you, um, I always open up with, you know, number one, how much time do we have right. and confirm that. And then number two, why are we here today? How can I add value? And then I just stop. And this guy will say, I just really want to hear your pitch. And, you know, uh, why, you know, why should I do business with you? I said, I, I don't know. 
I, I don't really have a pitch. I don't, I don't really have a sales pitch. I don't do that. Um, I, I work to find out what people want. And then if I can help you, I'll tell you how I can help you. And then you can decide if you want my help, but I don't, I don't have a pitch. So I mean, and also tell you where I can't help you. Yeah. I'll tell you where I can't help you. And I'll, I'll even try and connect you with somebody who can, if I know them. And I said, so if, if you want the pitch, we could probably both just go right now. Cause I don't have a pitch, you know? And he said, Oh no, 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 that's okay. And I said, well, what do you want? Why, why are we here? You, you are a busy business owner. Why did you schedule this call to, to speak with me? What, what is it that you want that you think um, is missing in your business? And let's talk about that. And, and if I can help you, I will. Isn't that refreshing? See, there's no pressure. No. no. There's no pressure on you and no pressure on me, the client, when I have that telephone appointment or face-to-face. Because people are expecting pressure. They're expecting a pitch. And, and truthfully, I think anyone who has a quick pitch without discovering what the client's problems are or their needs or their wants, I think that's unethical. Uh, yeah, unethical and I think untrustworthy because, I mean, how can you possibly sell something to someone if you don't understand what they want and what they need? Well, it, it, let me back up. If, you're just, if I'm selling a phone and I'm just selling a gadget, okay, I got no problem with that. You know, buy this, buy this, this is what I sell. And in some cases, I could be accused of that because I do sell a lot of annuities. People say, is that all you sell? No, it's not all I sell. But most people will ultimately want that once they understand it. Now, I do investment work and we do a lot of that. And I want all I can get, obviously. But I'm very passionate about what I'm doing because if you do not have the annuity as part of your plan, you don't have a secure retirement. You can't, unless you have a pension Social Security, things like that. So what was going through my mind as you said that is I, occasionally, I don't get it a lot because by the time they get in front of me, we've already had these discussions with either me or a seminar or a webinar or something. But occasionally I'll get that. And it, it, it rarely is it called, what's your pitch? It's usually some line along the lines of, what are you trying to sell me? And I tell them every time, me. I want to sell you on the idea that I'm someone who should be part of your world. When we're done, if you agree, let's continue. If not, it's okay. Absolutely. Let's end it on that note, my friend. I love that. I love that sentiment. Folks, um, to get your own copy of the growth, uh, the inevitable growth scorecard, go to thegrowthscore.com, thegrowthscore.com. You can actually take uh, take the, the scorecard, go through it there online, have your score emailed to you, um, and the way that it works is you, you read these, each of these mindsets um, and see where you feel like you fall, what describes where you are now, and then look and see where, which mindset might describe where you want to be, let's say, a year from now or at some point in the future. And put down a score for that, where you want to be next. Um, and then that'll give you a real clear, clear picture of where you're doing really well the areas where you feel like you need to improve and then give you a path to work towards improving. So uh, go to thegrowthscore.com and uh, and get that there. John, I'm having a blast doing these. Thanks for uh, spending a little bit of time or investing some time with me and having these conversations. I'm having a great time doing it. I hope everybody is having a great time listening to us. Same here, but I want you to do something. You just corrected yourself. Share this with the people listening because they can get value from that. Spend versus invest time. Uh, yeah, and I, I end 
and so many of our podcasts this way, and I, did, I learned this from you, I give you credit. Um, I used to go around saying I spend time. And you said, no, 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 you, you don't spend time. You choose to invest time. And that shift in mindset, and I'm a big believer in having the right mindset, that shift in mindset is, has been transformational because now I choose where do I want to invest my time and what will be the return on that time. And so we've invested time well this morning, I believe. Yes, we have. Thank you. I, I, I'm going to just make a plug here on this thing. Folks, if you have not done it yet, you, you, you get this thing in front of you because I'm pretty good at what I do. I'm pretty good at marketing, but I've got two pages of notes here that's going to help me. Awesome. Thank you. I'm glad I could give you value. Thank you.